0: Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey.
2: Welcome. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. Well, we've had a great series of shows uh last month and starting off this month with um Elliot Massey uh yesterday, we had a great discussion uh, about learning and development, and we had Rita McGrath on uh around strategy and in the times of turbulence. We're back now talking about leadership and you know and just made me reflect uh just For those of you who are non-U.S., I'm sure you're following the U.S. elections, as everybody is. It seems so interesting when we talk about leadership and the need and the ability for leaders to inspire and really bring people together and bring them along. And it seems like not a lot of that kind of leadership is being demonstrated in today's politics almost anywhere you look in the world today. You know, that's part of the reason why I invited Chris Roebuck. Chris is an expert in leadership development. He uh, was with UBS, uh, worldwide financial services organization, which probably many of you know, has 70,000 employees uh, around the world in 100 companies. He was the head of leadership development there. He's also now with um, uh, Case uh, School of Management, and he's been written up in uh, Harvard Business Review, some of the work that he's done. He's been quoted as a leadership expert globally, um, often interviewed, Financial Times, been on the news. Chris is really all about breakthrough leadership and how you inspire others and how you can really make a difference. He and I ran into each other in Dubai. Uh, He gave a great talk, and I was really impressed with the things that he had to say. And I think you're going to be impressed with the conversation Chris has a couple of books, Lead to Succeed, which was published in 2014, and it's really a masterful guide on leadership. If you don't have a copy of that book on your bookshelf, you definitely should get one. So help me welcome Chris Robach. So glad you could join me today, Chris. I really appreciate it.
3: It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Chris, I think I gave the school where you're affiliated, I think I did not correctly state the name of that school. Could you state it? Yeah, it's uh, Cass Business School in uh, London,
3: and, and yes. it has sort of outposts around the world, but it's based in London.
2: Right, and, you know, I was thinking of uh, Case Western in the in the U.S. I had a, I had a mental freeze there for a minute, but uh, Case Business School in London, it's a great school. And you teach there, right, Chris?
3: Yeah, I spend some time teaching there. Um, a lot of the work, though, is is not just with students, but it's also with uh, executives out into the real world, um, where we all have to get by and make a living.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Where actually, where the rubber really meets the road. So, can you give yeah. me a little overview um, uh, about your you know your sense of leadership today? Where where do you see leadership today?
3: I think the most important thing for for, for listeners, um, particularly those in, in really big organizations, is that sometimes we feel that the sort of system has taken control and we feel powerless that we can actually make a difference. And uh, looking at the pieces of the jigsaw from what I've seen in organizations around the world and over my career, so that's everything from the military to corporate to governmental, to the academic side of things and and talking to leaders around the world and chief executives and that sort of thing, I think the, the, the idea that suddenly came to me was actually every single listener, every single person can make a difference. They might not be able to change the world. They might not be able to change their organization, but they do actually have the power to make things better for themselves, for the people around them, for their teams, and and genuinely to transform lives by doing some things that they can do, independent of what the organization does.
2: And why do you think they don't
3: do that, Chris? The the problem is, twofold, I suppose, from the organizational perspective, that. As organizations get bigger, you know, we we know that the entrepreneur has the flair, the enthusiasm, and as their organization grows, they take on more people to grow it into a small organization. And everybody's focused on the customer. Everybody's focused on making it slick, making it agile, making it effective. Because at that level, if it isn't, they don't last very long. But as our organizations get bigger and the systems start building and the bureaucracy starts building... And also, to some degree, it has a sort of financial buffer in the bank for incompetence. You know, look at Kodak, et cetera.
0: That, yeah, that absolutely. Somehow
3: the, somehow the system sort of takes over. Um, and and people feel powerless to actually to do anything. And I suppose once you've tried a few times and you hit this organizational wall, in the end, you, you just sort of give up and go with the flow and keep your head down. And I... I think that's the problem that we, we lose heart, and, and that's what we need. We need our heart. We need our passion to say, actually, I can make a difference. And maybe if, if the benefit of, of doing this interview with you is that even 10% of the listeners go into work tomorrow and start doing some really simple things that make a difference for the people around them, it'll all have been worthwhile.
2: I totally agree. And if people get that message and leaders get that message from what you're talking about, Uh, It will be a win-win. But, you know, you also say, Chris, um, you've wondered why initiatives and organizations never fully work. You were just telling me a story about you were giving a speech yesterday and, uh, you know, you did a query of the group. Why do you think initiatives don't work? Even simple ones. Absolutely. That's
3: one of the things I, I, you know, I sometimes get a question in my mind, and people say, you're the leadership expert. But my attitude is, I'm not the leadership expert. Everybody out there is a leadership expert, because they're experiencing leadership, either being a leader or experiencing other people leading them every day of their, every day of their life. So they're just as much an expert as me. But I, that's why I ask the audience, I say, hey, come on, tell me, you know, if you look at organizations that you've been in, what percentage of initiatives of any type cost Risk management, customer focus, you name it, any initiative. You know, how many do you think succeed? And honestly, ballpark figures are most of the audience thinks only twenty to thirty percent of all the initiatives ever get to their full successful conclusion or reach their full potential. So, you know and this is a consistent question I ask of leaders around the world, not just in USA, not just in one sector. So we've actually you know, we've got a world where 70% of initiatives never really work. And I think the, 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 the issue is that if we make the core assumption that the initiative was a good idea in the first place, and let's be honest, that's not necessarily the case, right. if we do that, if we do that, then I think the issue is without a doubt that as this great idea cascades down the organization, what it does is it meets that group of leaders, that group of people who we uh, linked to earlier, who have said, look, to be honest, I've given up. You know, I'm, I come to work, I do my job, um, it's really not worth me doing anymore, I'm not inspired, I'm not uh, motivated, I don't really understand what's going on, I just do what I'm told. And... To be blunt, I don't really care. So I'm not going to put in any significant effort into making this initiative happen because I know what's going to happen is in another year's time, there's
2: going to be another one coming along. Absolutely. Another one, which probably negates the last one that they did. It sounds to me, I mean, when you you think of what you're saying, Chris, it really, what a waste of talent, time, and money, Um, you know, having organizations where people feel that way. What role do you
3: think... I, I think co- it's so sad. It, it's, it's a it waste of human potential.
2: It is. And above and all, as human beings, we want to realize our potential. Absolutely. So what role do you think organizational culture has to do with this?
3: The culture it, it, it is absolutely critical, but if people... People wheel out the word culture all the time. They say, you know, this right. didn't work because of culture. And, and it's the ultimate get-out clause for any chief executive, any leader, any organization. Because once they use the culture word, well, oh, yes, of course, it was the culture. And, and my, my, my experience in government, in, 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 um, in corporate, and even in the military, is that actually, you know, it isn't really the culture. Because when you dig below, underneath the cultural failure... Something went wrong with the leadership. Either the plan wasn't good, or the communication wasn't good, or the people weren't motivated. Uh, Nobody saw the point. So the cultural thing uh, is bounded in leadership itself. And also, I think what happens is that when that culture gets to the point that people have, to some degree, lost hope, then... When somebody comes in who's enthusiastic and wants to make a difference, if the other ninety percent of the people around them have given up and lost hope, you know, after a certain amount of time in banging your head against a brick wall, you realize it's actually quite boring and painful. But yeah. Give up yourself.
2: Well, you know, here's a, here's an interesting thing. I'd I'd like to just hear a little bit uh, before we um, go to a break. What you did at UBS, because that was uh, when you were the global head of leadership there, that was part of the Harvard case study that was done. Can you give us a little thumbnail on, on what you did there to really inspire leaders and develop leaders successfully?
3: Yeah, to, to g- give you a quick overview, UBS was created by many mergers and acquisitions, six over a short period of time. So it was made up of a lot of pretty much standalone businesses. And the concept was actually, if we make these businesses work together, we'll make more money than just the money that each of the businesses makes. Now the problem with that is that that requires people to talk to each other. That Correct. requires breaking down the silos. And it requires a culture where the people who are at the critical point at which Operation, sorry, at which strategy is turned into operational plans, i.e., about three levels below board level, are actually A, effectively making that translation process for the people beneath them so that they are inspired, and therefore that part of the business is maximizing its performance, but also they are talking to their colleagues at the same level in the other businesses. So that you can make the whole machine leverage business across. And at its most basic level, it was to get those people, A, to improve their skills, B, to be better leaders, C, to focus on the customers, and then cascade that enthusiasm down through the organization by giving them the support to do that.
2: Okay, well, I think that's fascinating, Chris. Um, so did you, you, did you actually design the program that, that uh, did this? Was it a program or what, what was it? An- no, no. It, I, I think
3: organizations lose the plot when they say we need a program to do something right. like this. This is not a program. You are changing mindsets. You have to change the entire environment within which people think. Even if you look at it from the employee perspective, there's the poor employee looking upwards to the top of the organization and the employee is saying, hang on, what's important? The chief executive says this. My boss says this. I get paid for this. The HR department says this. The communications department says this. The um, you know the organizational structure makes this difficult and it's this easy. And I say to myself, what do you want me to do? And unless there's clarity about that, unless it... All of, those, all of those elements and the development programs and all of the appraisal, unless all of those things all point in the same direction to tell the individual, this is what we want you to do, it produces confusion. And they just say, I haven't a clue. I'll just do the minimum and see what happens. And that it, was, it, that's what it was about.
2: You know what, Chris, I, That that's fascinating, and, and I, when we come back, I want to talk about um, exactly how you turned that needle around, but it seems to me that that's a classic problem of most organizations, that, uh, you know, in theory, they know what to do, and in theory, the leaders know what to do, and in theory, people know that, you know, all the systems have to be aligned, but it's very, very few organizations that really get it right, right? So stay with me. I'm talking to Chris Robach, uh, uh, adjunct professor at Case uh, London School of Business, and uh, also vast, experienced guru in leadership development. We're going to be talking about the how-tos when we come back. Thank you.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com.
5: Did you know where you bank really matters? Values-based banking is a growing, global, viable alternative to the current banking system. Find out how you can join, share, and participate in a positive money movement that is designed to put the power back in your pockets. Listen for Building Banking on Values with host Linda Ryan. Your money matters. There is a solution, and you can be a part of something greater. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's about a different kind of banking.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You are tuned in to I Lead, the leadership connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, The Leadership Connection.
2: Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and I'm talking with Chris Roebuck. I keep mispronouncing that school, but it's Cass Business School in London. He's a a visiting professor there, does really great work around leadership. The thing that is so fascinating about Chris is that not only is he academically sound, but he has a wonderful practitioner background. And we're talking about what he did at UBS. Um in really sort of bringing together uh, an approach that melded many acquired organizations into one direction, which most people would love to do and most people are not able to do successfully. Chris, you and I have talked about in the past that uh, Payne Weber, for whom I was the head of leadership development for a while before it got uh, taken up by UBS, uh, was is, is part of UBS, right? Sure. 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 And a very interesting dynamic in trying to pull all of those sort of very individualistic cultures together. So how did you get the alignment?
3: I, I think the, you know, you, you kindly make the comment about uh, my, my sort of corporate experience and all the rest of it, but but I also think one of the elements that contributes to the way I think, uh, and people who have served in the military will understand this, that my, my training at Royal Military Academy Sandhurst as a British Army officer and five years' experience within uh, the British military gives you a, a, another perspective on leadership in terms of how you can make leadership work in terms of complete clarity of purpose, complete simplicity of execution to ensure that everybody knows what they're doing, when they're doing it, are inspired to do it, and uh, get it done, and then make it even better the next time. So I learned a lot from that from that experience. And that was one of the elements that we tried to take forward. And, and I would also say that um, you know, it absolutely wasn't down to me. There was a significant team there. And above all, the, the board of the organization, led by Peter Woofley, were absolutely committed to leading this by example themselves. This was not, I repeat, this was not an HR-driven initiative. This was a strategic business initiative to drive better business performance. And that I have to mention because I think that is the weakness of many of these types of so-called change programs in that the organization perceives them as being, oh, here is another change program from the HR function, and right. therefore it is a distraction from doing business. Yeah. If the organization has that attitude, you might as well forget it from the start.
2: I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, and So it does really start with enlightened leadership at the top. So, So what do you do, which I often have people say to me, um, my experience is the same as yours. You have to have that enlightened leadership at the top, willing to yeah. role model, etc But what if you? What do you do to try and drive that enlightenment at the top if you don't really see it?
3: I, I think the the question is who is going to do that. And you say you're absolutely right. Unless you've got sort of self aware people at the top, the. Um, The judgment is going to be that, oh, this is a distraction. We need to focus on the short-term figures. We need to focus on the the bottom line. What convinces people at the top, be it the CEO or the finance director, is the cold hard data and if you look at the cold hard data from any number of sources things in our organizations are not going the way we think if you look for, for example you know the figures that i've quoted you know um 55 of people in one survey say they've actually got more work than time so yeah i getting love getting these stats behind, Go through these. yeah um, which we all we've, we've all been there um, which suggests to me, actually, and I think probably 25% of the work that most people do in organizations doesn't significantly contribute to the overall output. We have basic skills uh, shortages, you know, and there's some research that shows that line managers, because we've cut training on things like time management and prioritization, are underestimating how long tasks take when they tell their boss by 30 to 40%. And you then say, well, Hang on, if they're doing that, then then logically, the rest of the process from that point onwards can never work properly because the assessment (laughs) of the delivery time was wrong by 30%. Then we have, on top of that, so we have a basic skill shortage, then linked to that, because of all the things we've alluded to, we have a situation where one survey I saw says 60% of people want to give their best for the organization, okay. That poses why 40% don't care. But right. you know, nice. then, then of that 60%, 42% say the organization's own systems make it more difficult for them to deliver what the organization is asking them to deliver, therefore you know bureaucracy, however you describe it. Um, 40% of people in, in another survey say they actually want to get away from their boss because their boss doesn't motivate them or inspire them. Um, and all of that then feeds through to sixty percent of people who say they go home and, in the last year, they behaved badly towards friends, family, or shouted at the dog because of stress at work.
2: Right.
3: So it's it, 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 it's it's that environment where we have to somehow break the circle. Um, it's a sad it's commentary, really. Who can do that? Um, and if you say to a chief executive, "Look, that's not a great situation." But if you want to turn it around, you can, because all the good figures say if you can inspire your people, you can get 30% more effort from 60% of your people. And as a chief executive or as a finance director, how much more money would that make? How much better would you deliver the service to customers if people were inspired, if people actually cared about what happened?
2: Right. You know, it's interesting. I was just telling you uh, earlier, uh, about a recent study that Jim Cousins did from the leadership, leadership challenge. They surveyed a whole bunch of CEOs and leaders and said, you know, how well do you think you're doing as a leader and how well do you think your folks would rate you as a leader? And all of them were over 75%, you know, great. And then they went out to the subordinates of these people and, um, Big disconnect, not surprisingly, between how everybody else saw these leaders versus how they saw themselves. Which actually, Chris, I found was pretty astounding because most people do employee satisfaction surveys these days, and in most of those survey questions, there are questions about the leaders and you know how they perc- they're, how they're perceived. So I was sort of shocked that leaders had such a huge disconnect between how they saw themselves and how others saw them. You have a, a comment on that? Well.
3: <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's like it's like the are you a good driver question, isn't it?
2: Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody ever says no, I'm not a good driver. Um right. so uh, I, I and I've seen I've seen similar surveys um you know where the people at the top think everything in the garden is rosy. The people in the middle think it's not as rosy but it's not a disaster. And the poor leaders at the bottom of the organization who are who are coming under the pressure are saying, oh, well, actually, it's pretty tough down here. Um, Now, you know, all of us, all of us have seen the the program Undercover Boss.
0: Right. I love that
3: program. Uh, yeah, and, and and you know, there's an American version, a, a Canadian version, UK version, Australian version, and and one of the things I did was was actually I sat through 170 of the episodes, but the reason was that was because there were common themes, and that was absolutely one of the common themes that the chief executives discovered that. All the things they were feeding down the organization and w- were making the assumption that they knew what the impact was further down. They yeah. knew what was right and what was wrong, when, in fact, actually the people who really knew what was, go- what was going on were the people at the bottom. Right. And, and at the board, we get hung up on the figures. I mean, I've had chief executives say to me, Chris, Chris, you know um, our engagement survey has come in, and, and we are now beating our competitors. You know we've got thirty percent of our people engaged, and they've only got twenty. Right. and I say, wow. hang on. <laughs> I say, hang on. Are you happy? Because do you realise what you're saying? You're saying you're happy that you've got seventy percent of people in your organisation who don't care. Yeah, it's so. And, and, and they, oh, oh, actually, yeah, that's true. And, and then you say, and, and then I. Both of us have seen research that also says, you know, and actually, if you ask the people who say they are engaged, how engaged are you? There was one amazing study that, that said those that said they were engaged when they were asked in more detail, eighteen percent said, "Oh, yeah, I'm engaged every day." But 59% said, oh, I'm only engaged once a week. 23% said, I'm engaged less than once a week. So when people say they're engaged, 82% of the population were engaged once a week or less.
2: Yeah. That's pretty shocking, absolutely shocking. But, you know, you're so right. When you're at the top of the organization, you really don't realize the impact of the decisions that you make and how how it impacts others. That show is such a great show, Chris. So why, here's the question I have for you, and we're probably going to give me the, the thumbnail real quick because we're going to be going to break pretty shortly. But so what is it that, leaders really need to do how do they get to the we care uh and and be inspirational even if they are functioning in an organization that is uh dysfunctional how do how do they get that personal sense of empowerment and excitement and get back in the game so to speak
3: what is great is that actually everybody has the power for that do that. If everybody looks back at their career, hopefully they've all had a boss that inspired them. And the simple solution is to say, hang on, what did that boss do that was different on a day-to-day basis that other bosses didn't do? And you can easily identify those things. And the secret is that those are the things that made you give super performance. So those are the things that are likely to make other people give super performance. And I've done this with leaders 20 years around the world. And it is really simple things like asking people for ideas, like showing you care, like giving feedback. All of those things any leader can do tomorrow at no cost, and they don't even need a course to do it. So start tomorrow, do those simple things that inspired you to give your best in the past and your people and the people around you, because you can use this with peers as well as people who work for you, they will start responding and giving you their best, and then things are moving forward, and you can build on it. And it's inspirational because people love being in that situation where other people show they genuinely care.
2: Yeah, that that, that goes back to the whole notion we were talking about uh, earlier on. Um, you know, the the notion of stewardship and and which has been around a long time. You know, Peter Block started that and and uh, servant leadership. Uh, all all concepts that have been there for a long time and the question is why don't we do it because it is simple but hard so we're coming to break stay with us we're going to be talking about specifically getting the best from everyone and how chris goes around about doing this with leaders stay with us
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com.
5: Did you know where you bank really matters? Values-based banking is a growing, global, viable alternative to the current banking system. Find out how you can join, share, and participate in a positive money movement that is designed to put the power back in your pockets. Listen for Building Banking on Values with host Linda Ryan. Your money matters. There is a solution, and you can be a part of something greater. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's about a different kind of banking.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or Twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN.
1: You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, The Leadership Connection.
2: Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection. And I have with me today Chris uh, Robach, who is a Cass School of Business in London, a visiting professor around transformational leadership, uh, goes all over the world teaching leaders and working with leaders to help them bring out their the, their personal greatest potential and that of those that they work with and lead. Uh, Chris, you have a, a really, I think, a very unique approach uh, for getting the best out of everyone. And, and, and tell me a little bit about that. You call it MAC1 leadership. How does that work? The,
3: uh, we've all done leadership programs. We've all seen the leadership models. And, and I've looked at the, both from the perspective of organizations where I'm developing leaders, being in the room myself, talking to people who've been on programmes, and and the, the general response is, you know, when you say there's a leadership programme coming, there's a big yawn from most of the business yeah. because they <laughs> view it, they view it as taking them away from the business. Right. So, uh, you know, over the years. And again, this goes back to my military perspective, which is it has to be absolutely clear, simple, and focused on delivering action. It has to be relevant to the people in the room and transferable. And many uh, of the things we talk about leadership aren't. So I just thought, look at this from a new perspective. Look at it from the consumer's perspective sitting in the room. How can we make leadership so utterly simple that everybody gets what has to be done. How can we get away without explaining it with complex leadership models or complex leadership theories? So I thought, let's structure it in a way that is so absolutely practically based that everybody can say, yes, I get this. And not only do I get it logically and rationally, I get it emotionally because I've seen that. I've experienced it. I know it works. And that's why I developed the concept of MAC2, which is two steps. MAC1, i.e. getting the best from everybody by simple day-to-day actions that we all know and love and our best boss did. MAC2, because in my view, engagement is not enough because you can be engaged doing the wrong thing, is about how do we focus all of that extra effort, that 30% of effort from 60% of people, onto what delivers success for ourselves and for our organizations, And that's about focus on the big picture. It's about empowerment. It's about entrepreneurial leadership.
2: Chris, you know, as you're going through this, though, and I say this, you know, I'm I'm a, a student of leadership. I've been doing this for a very long time and working with a lot of leaders. All of this has been known again. And a lot of this is nothing new. You know, being a brand ambassador, of showing that you care again to your great point this does not cost money but why is this what for one let's not look back and say why didn't people do it in the past it doesn't matter why people didn't do it in the past why is this so important now it's because
3: we are in a world where we're under more pressure uh, we're in a situation where things are happening faster, and, and you know, we, we no longer have the luxury in organizations of being able to waste time on things that don't make a difference. And to be blunt, you know, we shouldn't be wasting our lives on things that don't really make a difference. And therefore, from my perspective, presenting leadership in a way where we absolutely cut out everything that is not absolutely focused on delivering leadership success in the most simple, practical, possible way is the best way to do it. Because if you look at it from the perspective of the person who wants to be a better leader, so all the people listening to this, yes, you know, you can explain the complexities of leadership models, but actually if you then say, look, that's all very interesting, but If you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this, all of those things you know are practical and important and work, if you just do more of those things, you're going to get success. And I think it flips it round and it says, look, in the real world, you're pushed for time. In the real world, you have to deliver objectives. In the real world, it's not about academic discussions on leadership It's about what you can do tomorrow that will make a difference. And we cut out all the surplus, fuzz, fog, however you describe it, around what we have to do to make a difference. And we just focus on that.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's really an important uh, point. I mean, what 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 role do you think? I mean, you're a global leader. Uh, what what role do you think globalization has to do? I do with this. I mean, I think it has a lot to do with it. If people are understanding that maybe in your own company, in your own geographic area. You can operate more as a command and control or an autocratic leader, or you know, not really pay attention to what's going on throughout your organization and perhaps still be successful. But with globalization and trying to influence and inspire people in a hundred companies around countries around the world, that requires it's sort of almost a must that you have to be thinking about the simple things of how you lead people. What, what's your perspective on that, Chris?
3: I, the, the the simple perspective is, I think there are <clears throat> two points. One, the fact is that any leader in any organization who is not particularly at strategic level, who is not looking outside just as much as they're looking inside, is about to walk off a precipice because right. they're internally focused. I, 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 again, repeat, Kodak is just the word, one word I have to mention. Um, yeah. In terms of in terms of the, it, it's literally about if you're looking inside and you're starting to believe your own hype as a senior leader, uh, then you know you're on the way out, guaranteed. Um, if you look at the global perspective, what is what is very very interesting talking about leadership is. And I, I, I spoke to Fon's Trompenars about this when when he and I were speaking at a conference in Dubai, uh, and he agrees with me. You see this best boss thing, what. The leaders do on a day to day basis that get super performance from people. Interestingly, it is consistent globally, it is consistent sector wise, it is consistent level, first line chief executive. And uh, now m- people misinterpret the global perspective on leadership and they say, and, and they misinterpret some of the stuff that Fons says, and, and they say, actually, leadership is different in different cultures uh Implying that what people want from their boss is different in different cultures
2: no, it's Actually, my research has not uh, has not supported that, so uh, similar no. to Fon's, it um it really is that people want the same things from leaders, no Correct. matter where they are in the world and, and and
3: and maybe that's our fault for not explaining it clearly to people out there right because there there is a perspective that oh no, no, if I'm in India, I have to lead in a different way, or if I'm in China, I say no no, no, no. In China and India, people still want to be praised. People
2: still want to know you care. And they want to be respected. And they want to work on meaningful stuff. Exactly that. And, and I think
3: we need to explain better to the leadership community out there. And, and it doesn't matter if you're in heavy industry. It doesn't matter if you're in financial services in, in the USA or in pharmaceutical. People still want to be uh, shown that you care about them. They still want to be developed, etc., etc. What Fonds is saying and what you and I are saying, and as I say, maybe we need to be clearer about this, is yes, take people want to be praised and encouraged. There is a cultural difference there in terms of how people like right. that to happen. Right. That's where you need the cultural sensitivity. If I, if I might um, use the, the, the sort of British versus U.S. example. Great um, examples. Go ahead. Uh, two great nations divided by a common language. The, right. uh, the, the issue there is, that, <clears throat> for example, if we take praise and encouragement, uh, Within within the U.S., there is a tendency for people to like more sort of effusive, more public praise. Whereas within you know, it's it's great to have a little round of applause from your co-workers for your success at the end of the week. Um, Within the British context, uh, in London, uh, if your boss assembled your co-workers at the end of the week, praised you effusively, and asked them to give you a round of applause. As a British worker, you would potentially hate that boss for the rest of your life. That's very interesting. From the British perspective, all that is required is as you go out of the door, the boss quietly says, thank you. End of story, no more. You know, the typical British understatement. Um, Right. So, so, uh, you know, and and you can vary that. And, And okay, fine, also, the importance of the different elements of what the boss does changes with different cultures. As, as you know, and, and, and people who've worked as leaders globally around the world, certain cultures put the importance of the group more highly than the individual, whereas other cultures like the individual, individuality to take more um, uh, of a priority in balance with the group. But we are still not saying that those core things about inspiring people, giving people the uh, quite clear impression that you are there as a leader because you care about them, going to the point about serve to lead, the motto of the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst, you as a leader are there to support them to deliver their best for themselves, you and the organization. You are not there as a leader to benefit yourself to the detriment of your people.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, you know, again, I think it's e- easier said than done. Uh, quickly, we're coming up on break, Chris. Uh, g- give me okay. an example of somebody that you just thought was an outstanding leader. Um,
3: I, I I think uh, the, the interesting thing is, you know, you can quote the great leaders of, of, of the world. You can, uh, you know, the, the Martin Luther King, the Nelson Mandelas. What is uh, What is interesting about all of those is, a, they change the world, B, they have the ability to inspire with a great vision, but C, actually all of them were flawed human beings, and, and I think that the humility to say I'm not perfect, the humility to say I'm here because I want to give others my best uh, is the sign of a great leader. In any situation, and I think there are thousands and thousands of leaders out there in our organizations who actually work away during their careers doing that all the time, that are the unsung heroes of our organizations. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to recognize those people because they're not the chief executive, but they change people's lives by doing great leadership at mid level and first line level.
2: Yeah. I think that's really true. Chris, we're at break. Uh, Stay with us. And we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, it's important to leave people with a sense of how they can make a difference. So when we come back from break, we're going to be talking about that. What specifically can people walk away from this session and feel like, they can make a difference no matter where they are as a leader in their organization. And we also have a question in from the field. So stay with us. We're talking to Chris Roebuck, uh, Cass School, uh, Business School of London, visiting professor and renowned leadership guru, author, Lead to Succeed.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com.
5: Did you know where you bank really matters? Values-based banking is a growing, global, viable alternative to the current banking system. Find out how you can join, share, and participate in a positive money movement That is designed to put the power back in your pockets. Listen for Building Banking on Values with host Linda Ryan. Your money matters. There is a solution and you can be a part of something greater. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's about a different kind of banking.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472 That's one 866 472 5790 Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to iLead, the leadership connection.
2: Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey talking with Chris Roebuck. We're having a great conversation on leadership with somebody who I consider to be a real guru in the field. Chris, we don't have a lot of time left, but what are the what is the suggestions that you have for someone who's leading and really wants to leave from listening in the session with a sense of what they can do to really have a big impact?
3: Above all, it's about believing that you can make a difference for yourself and for the people around you. For those who are operating in in the more mercenary psychology of leadership, to be blunt, you know, if you want a bigger bonus, the simple figures are you're going to get a much bigger bonus if you inspire your people and show that, (laughs) that you care, because then they're going to give you their best. So there's actually no way around it. And... It's, it's just about um, getting to the, the simple basics of, of, of saying to yourself, look, what can I do on a day-to-day basis that will make a difference? And the answer to that is look back at your career and sit down and say, what did the best boss I ever have do on a day-to-day basis? And it's to do the things like the following. Ask people for their ideas and listen to them. Explain to them how they contribute to the bigger picture. Give them day-to-day feedback. Understand that they make genuine mistakes and accept that. Set them challenging targets. And all of those really basic things that if you write that list, you will see, you just do more of them. And then it shows people that you care. And it's interesting that the performance uplift that those things can produce are significant. Just giving people effective day-to-day feedback can improve the amount of effort they give you by over 35%. Even just showing you care versus a boss that doesn't do that. You can get 24% more effort by just doing that, and that doesn't cost any money and doesn't require a course.
2: Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. So, Chris, if you, uh, and I know you just d- just covered, um, you know, how you can really drive more impact. And it really is about your personal behavior and how you treat others and your values and what you believe, you know, tr- about people and what motivates and gets them excited. If you don't care about people, you're never going to be able to do the things that you talked about. And there are lead- a lot of leaders out there that really don't. Uh, care about people so from an organizational perspective what are a couple of pieces of advice I, I have an email that just came in from the field what are a couple of pieces of advice that you have for organizations to really help them move more in this humanistic I would say direction
3: at its most basic level, you, you, if this message goes out to the organization, you can have a group of leaders that get it. 10, 15, 20%. They're going to be islands of excellence in a sea of mediocrity. Now, from the organizational perspective, that's all very nice, but you're not going to beat your competitors. You're not going to reach the potential of the organization. And work I've done with fund managers, et cetera, would suggest that potentially. Because most organizations aren't doing this, their bottom line is between 10 and 15% of where it should be, less than where it should be. And let's face it, that's a question that shareholders and investors should be asking as well. So right. from the organisation perspective, you have to say, okay, we have to systematize this. We have to support a situation where every single leader is encouraged to do these things. That's where the example from the top is critical. That's where the HR function is critical. But it's not just about pro. It's about creating a total environment in which the consistent message is, if you behave like this, we want to show that we appreciate you as an organization. That it's about every leader in the organization being engaging. They inspire their people. Being effective. We've made sure they have the core skills. Being entrepreneurial. That they innovate. And... Not only that, it's being ethical, that you're leading in the right way. And and it has to come from the top. And if an organization is not doing that, some of the leaders who get this at the top need to look at the data that is out there in the Internet, in my book, in what you say, Linda – that there is a totally incontrovertible vertible argument that purely from the mercenary business perspective, even if you are not doing this from the moral humanistic perspective, if you do these things, you will make more money and you will beat the competition. But what I found is that once you talk to the board about that, because the money side of it gets you in the door, then... When they see the human effect, they then become inspired. They then genuinely change their mindset to not only be a rational business person that says, we do this for the money, but they also become a human leader that is doing it from their heart because they believe in their people. And it's a revelation.
2: That you know, I love you, just you just underscored a very important word for me. They do it from their heart, and you know I have found Chris, as I know you have too, that no matter how high up you are you 've had experience with poor leadership you 've had frustration you 've had the opportunity to really wish you could do more in in circumstances where it 's not possible, and even if you are a chairman of the board you 've experienced that and and I think getting to them at that heart level is not that hard to do if you're able to have the kind of conversations like you're able to have with that level of leadership. So, Chris, how do people get a hold of you?
3: Uh, people can get a get a hold of me via my website, which is www.chrisroebuck.co, uh, or they can email me on, w, sorry, on chris at chrisroebuck.net. Um, and I think, you know, just to, just to finish it off, this leadership stuff is so really, really simple. When I left Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst, on the last night I was there, a very, very senior soldier who, who was a, a sergeant major said to me, look, when you stand up in front of your soldiers, there are two questions, sir, that they will be asking in their heads, and you have to answer yes very, very quickly. The two questions are, one, does he know what he's doing? Two, do I trust him? If they answer yes to those, they will work hard for you, they will go through hell for you, and if necessary, they will die for you. For all leaders listening to this, you don't have to go that far because you're not in the military. But those two core questions are being asked of you every day by all the people around you. Do you know what you're doing, and do they trust you? And if they cannot answer yes to those, you have a problem.
2: Yes, you do. So, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. I just loved having you with uh, with us. A great discussion around leadership and a uh, great two questions to ask. Thanks again. Thanks for listening thank to Talk I later. Lead the Leadership Connection.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead the Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.